everybody here is on their feet. And Maxwell hits it high. Can it make it? It does make it. Glenn Maxwell. Unbelievable. The most remarkable thing you'll probably ever see in cricket. Staggering. Absolutely mind-blowing. What a win. Scarcely believable stuff. Uh, in Smith, brilliant call, as you would expect from the Dorian. Uh, Glenn Maxwell, even better performance out in the middle. As I see it, started the show going, am I live? Like, it, it doesn't feel real. It can't be real. Incredible performance from Glenn Maxwell, posting uh, an extraordinary 201, arriving at the crease at 49 for four, uh, scoring, what did I work it out at? 201 of the 244 runs that were scored while he was out in the middle, or 82% of them, including a 200-run partnership with Pat Cummings. Pat Cummings got 12. Australia through to the semi-finals. Afghanistan, it w- would have been a huge step to the semi-finals for them. They looked utterly distraught. Truly exceptional game of cricket um, and an even better individual performance. One of the very best uh, I can uh, ever uh, think of at a Cricket World Cup um, as far as individual performances at any World Cup. Delighted to welcome into the programme who can react to this. He is in Australia these days. We were going to talk to him about uh, New Zealand as well, but uh, Maxwell Silverhammer really has stolen the show, uh, and we'll uh, dig quite deep into this knock. Hamish Bennett, the former New Zealand fast bowler, now coaching in Australia, probably full of an Australian accent already. One of Timaru's finest, he joins us. How are you, Hamish? I'm good, Snake. How are you, mate? I'll tell you something. Last night, what an innings... um New Zealand definitely owe Glenn Maxwell a post uh, Christmas card, that's for sure. Yeah, I know. I, I, I start off the show by trying to encourage New Zealand cricket fans to acknowledge this was good for us. But, you know, we're a little bit begrudging over this side of the uh, the divide. Uh, we find it difficult to uh, acknowledge um, greatness when it's coming in canary yellow. But that was just great in every way, shape or form, right? Yeah, I know. We do struggle with that. But i tell you something, mate. What an absolute hell of an innings. Um it just shows in this World Cup, man, how good these, uh, I guess, the minnow nations, as we would call them, have got. And Afghanistan definitely have got some surprise wins throughout this World Cup. I always thought they'd maybe challenge a few of the bigger teams and maybe be a banana skin for a couple of teams. But they were a genuine contender to making the semifinals. I think it's been absolutely great to see them, the way they've performed. Um, and I'd, I, you you would have loved to have seen them beat Australia and actually make the semifinals. It would have been a, it would have been a great, I guess, Cricket love story, really, to see Afghanistan make this, the World Cup, uh, the semi the semi-finals of the Cricket World Cup. But thankfully, Australia's just kept our chances alive. And Glenn Maxwell's, yeah, like you said, and you're only there probably played one of the best innings you've ever seen in a Cricket World Cup, considering he got dropped on 25. So they'll be um, they'll be regretting that. Um, and just some of the shots after he got cramp. If you haven't quite seen the highlights, um, it's something you need to go do immediately because it's just incredible. It really is. Um, before we give Maxwell the uh, attention he deserves, Afghanistan, this is going to pain them. As you rightly point out, they drop him early, and it's not just a drop. It's an absolute goober, isn't it? It's a dolly at short fine leg. Uh, it should be taken. But he comes out at 49 for four. Australia are 91 for seven. So when you look back at Buck, Buck, uh, sorry, Afghanistan's bowling, what, what did they get wrong from there on in? Or was it one of those cases of not much? It was just the other guy. It was just incredible. I think it was one of those things where Maxwell's just come out and basically probably looked at the scoreboard and thought, well, we're, we're cooked here. I'm just going to play a few shots because no one else can survive. 
And I mean, if you look at Pat Cummings, I mean, I think he got um, in the teens, somewhere maybe 15 or something of 60 odd deliveries off the top of my head. I'm not quite sure, but he basically just blocked the snot out of it to allow Maxwell just to play that freedom. And I think what you're seeing there, mate, is just the, the evolution of T20 cricket just entering into 50 over cricket. He knows he's good enough to hit um, some boundaries on that size ground and just keep going with the momentum and thought, if I get out, I get out. Um, and just didn't really care. And then once he got cramped, he knew he couldn't really run. So he knew he just had to try and hit boundaries. So I guess it's just one of those things that it just eventually just paid off. And the annoying thing about Maxwell is quite often you say to people, oh, you know, they're strong on the league side, let's bowl wide out off, outside off stump or vice versa. But he just plays all those reverse sweeps and reverse hits and all sorts of things, all sorts of shots. And you just muck, your field, muck up with your field. So... Again, mate, very, very impressive innings. I think something you walk away as Afghanistan and think, well, you know, we dropped that chance that we should have taken and that was probably the game right there and then. Apart from that, he just absolutely dominated us. It's It was such a measured start from him. Uh, I've seen an image of the scorecard from the actual scorer. He was 51 of 53. So his last mm. 150 comes off 75 balls, Hamish. Two a ball. That, that, that's just amazing. And I was asked the exact same question, you know, did, did Afghanistan, you know, bowl into his uh, wheelhouse? Well, he, he plays 360 degrees, and then you add in he can play left-handed. He's a 720-degree player. He's a unicorn, right? He can. He, he, no one can do what he can. No, he's a freak, absolute freak to try and bowl to, and he's been trying to do that for years. I mean, I remember seeing him before he even played for... Victoria in 2009, 2010, and he's practicing all these shots, and all the coaches were saying, you know, what are you doing? You never make it playing all these shots. You're a lunatic. And now he absolutely fits in, and he's setting all the trends. I think what actually made his innings go was as soon as, I mean, he tried to establish a partnership with Labashane until he barbecued him, um, and then, and then as soon as Stark got out, really, that's when he just decided to put the trigger down. As soon as Stark got out, he thought, well, Stark's out. You know, Cummings might not last too long against the spin. I've just got to go and just see what happens. And Cummings just got out the old, got out the knitting, the sewing machine, actually, really. He just went straight up and down with the front forward defence, and um, that's what just allowed him to keep going. Yeah, and you've already pointed this out. If you get Cummings, if you get Cummings out, yeah. sorry, there, Dan, um, then they probably would have run through the rest of the side as well. So you've got to give Pat a little bit of credit there as well. Yeah, a lot of credit, mate, for sort of um, not getting ahead of himself, really understanding the situation of the game. The required rate is under control as long as Glenn Maxwell's alongside him, and he just knows he needs to occupy the crease. And, you know, they're turning down singles for a long, long period of time, because, and we can't labour this point enough. Glenn Maxwell is absolutely empty. He's spent, he's cramped up, he's got no energy. He could hardly move his feet. I don't know how you hit the ball that cleanly when you can't move your feet. Well, you know, traditional cricketing coaches will be pulling their hair out. The MCC manual is going to have to be thrown out the out the window. Yeah, well, it just shows your hand-eye coordination. Just as long as you can get um, your weight into the ball. For any youngsters practicing, they're listening, or mums and dads, they're listening. It's actually quite a good batting drill just to try and hit the ball without moving your feet because you have to hit the ball late under your eyes to hit it. Um, and also you have to get your weight into the ball. So <clears throat> not necessarily using your your feet, but just leaned in towards the ball. So it's actually a really good um, warm-up batting draw that a lot of batters use. Um, so he's just had to take it out to the middle and actually put it into practice and just shows you get your weight into the ball, you can hit it under your eyes. Then, um, And if the wicket's not doing too much, then feet movement, as long as you're going towards the ball, then you're fine. I'd imagine in Australia they're going to be absolutely mad on this all day, aren't they? 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, they, yeah, they'll, they'll be going on at, at nausea about it, at bloody nausea um, about it. So they'll be going on about it a lot. But I think Australia's biggest concern now is what their batting order is going to be going into the next game. I think with Smith coming back, who drops out? I still think Alex Carey's a better player than Josh Inglis. Statistics would prove right. that up as well. But I still, I still think he's a better player. So I think, I think Labuschagne, maybe he's the man that misses out for Smith to come back at four to allow them to have that power through through the middle and back into their innings. I'm not sure what other people think, but that would probably be my gut feel, even though Manus has done a very good job. Um, but I'm not sure if he's number five in one-day um, international cricket in those conditions where the scoring rate's extremely high. What is the story with Steve Smith? What is he batting vertigo? Yeah, yeah, he's got vertigo, big, big smudge. Is that what you said there? Sorry, he just cut out for a second. But yes, yeah, he's got... He's got, he's got vertigo, so I'm not sure when he'll be back or what's happened or or what. God, like, what's the impact of vertigo? You're not a dog, Dave. I, I, I know there was a movie 50-odd years ago about vertigo. That's all I know. Yeah, I've got no idea, mate. I, I mean, you normally hear about it, people when they get it when they're going to bed, don't they? They're not. They don't. Their heads or something don't sit right or something. So I've got, I've got no idea. No, that's called being boozed, yeah. mate. It's called being boozed. That's called having too many pints. What was that, sorry? <laughs> That's called having too many pints before you go to bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Australia, two games into this tournament, they lost to India and South Africa. Some people were hurriedly trying to write their obituary, but credit to them. That's six in a row, I think it is. You know, where do they stand when you compare them to the gold standard that is India? Um, I think, well, I think Australia Australia going into a tournament, typically, um, they're a big nation, so they're always going to have big games at the start of their tournaments. So when they played India and South Africa, they're always games they're going to lose, but they're probably always going to make it up at the back end, whereas someone like us who aren't, we, had, we obviously played England in the opening because it was the um, 2019 World Cup, but quite often because we're a smaller nation TV-wise, we play probably the smaller nations at the start and then play our bigger games at the back end. So um, that's just the luck of the draw, really. I think you just want to finish second or third. I think that's the um, the key positions to, to finish um, in the pool play. You just want to try not catch India in the semifinals. And I think, unfortunately, we'll probably catch India, but... For us, that's actually probably been one of our luckier teams to play in a World Cup. Unlike, you know, whenever we play Pakistan, it's we we can never get across that line. We've got that hoodoo against Pakistan and, and cricket World Cups, but we've got a good record against India. So I guess for us, we if we can make the semis, we're going to play India, which is going to be tough, and then Australia play South Africa. Not sure what the conditions will be like. Two pretty evenly matched teams, but it looks like if Australia can win the toss and have a bat, then um, they'll make the final because South Africa just can't bat second. Uh, bowling coach extraordinaire, the thinking man's fast bowler that you are. Tell me about what trends you're sort of picking up with the bowling. Um, and India's a great example of a, of a fabulous, well-balanced attack. They've picked up 30 wickets in the last three games. They've bowled out every side in just 81.5 overs. So 267 for 30 in their last three games. Exceptional. Brilliant. Um, but you can't compare the rest to them because nothing's really comparing. So, you know, what, what are the standouts as far as what you're seeing from the bowling overall in this tournament? I think, well, I actually think it's been quite funny because a lot of teams in the subcontinent like to bat second because of the wickets actually kissing on um, and being easier to play. But 
actually what we've seen at times is we've actually seen the reverse of that where the ball's actually nipped around. The teams have been able to stand the seam up and actually just make it the most of the swing. They've actually been on knock sides over. Afghanistan did that with Australia last night. Their seam has actually knocked them over. They took three wickets in the first eight overs. Um, so I think it's actually a little bit about your mindset, Dan, of actually going, getting the getting the, the new rock in your hand, actually saying to yourself, right, I've got a little bit of, I've actually got a little like, opening here where I can actually make some inroads and take two or three wickets. And if I get hit for a few runs, it doesn't matter because we can take those poles. So I think the teams that have been aggressive and actually tried to use this swing in their shape early have, have seen the rewards of that. And the teams that are sort of, a little bit worried and think, oh, it's just flat. We're not going to do anything. We're going to go into defensive mode and just allow teams to bat. Um, that's what India hasn't done. They're just having to allow teams just to bat because they're so constant with everyone of their attack. They're always just at you. Um, have gone for a lot of runs and then just the death bowling. No one's been able to defend, really. That's um, the simple crux of it. No, one, no one's been able to defend, been able to execute plans very often. Um, and it's just something that I guess... T20 batting's brought in, but I think um, I think when guys have actually gone to their Yorker and their wide Yorker and have done it consistently, it's actually paid off pretty well. So I think they need to get over that fear of the Yorker, of missing the Yorker and then just um, and trying to execute it because teams are just setting up for that slow ball into the wicket halfway down or um, and just getting slogged over square leg, really. And on some of the smaller grounds, it's, it can be you can execute the delivery, but you can still go for half a dozen. New Zealand, on the other hand, have conceded 946 runs in their last three games at seven and a half runs and over. Um, I've been clutching at straws as to options. I've even gone stupid and suggested liniments and blocks, uh, tying shoelaces together, cutting helmet straps to try and, and invite people being timed out. Um, you, you're probably way too uh, mature to think like that, but what have you thought about the New Zealand bowling more recently? Wouldn't that be funny, eh, if you did actually just, you saw someone going, or the manager going around with a wee pair of scissors or something and just doing it with some pads and gloves. Um, that would be great. I'm always seeking an edge. Why didn't Ian Botham get timed out all those years ago when he walked out to the field without a bat? You know? <laughs> um, but that's, that's, a, that's another story for another day. But um, Or Shakib Al-Hassan, who took two minutes and two seconds to get out when he was batting, ironically, in, in the same game. But we're, we're going on a tangent. But the New Zealand bowling yeah. is what? Finish the yeah. sentence. We'll get back to the original question. Um, yeah, I think um, New Zealand bowling, I think, yeah, well, it's been tough, really. And I think it's probably been more, a little bit. I don't know, I don't know if they've had the chance to play their best side or their most balanced side Um actually when they want to either because of the amount of right. injuries they've had. They've carried a lot of injuries into the tournament and it's sort of really at times it's hampered some of their selections. I think at times Ashodi should have played on certain conditions. Then the other night um, when Pakistan uh, managed to beat us, I, I thought they were a seam short as well. So I just didn't, and you couldn't bowl Southie and Bolt in case the game did go 50 overs and you've actually got no bowling at the end as well and you can't, can't have anything to change it up. So I think a little bit the balance of the bowling, um, and uh, that's just due to being to injuries. Um, and then again, I think it's just at that end phase, it's probably something we haven't done that well at times, probably over the last eight, since, 20, since the 2015 World Cup, really. We probably haven't done it that well at times, purely because we're taking win, uh, wickets throughout the innings so regularly and bowled teams out or had teams in trouble early that we probably haven't faced many of the death situations. And so I guess... 
when the New Zealand bowlers get together and Jergo gets them together and talks them, I think it's about being more settled in their death plans and being able to execute those um, and then having that mindset of how can we actually take some wickets at the top as opposed to just trying to restrict. I think that's been the, the biggest difference that I've probably seen in the New Zealand side and I think that's purely just because it always feels as though we've probably been a bowler short. I don't know what you think, Dan, but it just feels like in you know, some of our lineups we've just been a bowler short. Yeah, well, with Chapman in at seven, that uh, sure, surely shows you they've, they've put a real um, onus on scoring runs um, and maybe have lacked that, that last option. Really interesting thoughts as always, Hamish. That's why I was fascinated to get you on to, to, to get your insights. Uh, a guy you played a lot with, Rachin Ravindra. Holy cow, the late great Martin Crowe would say. Yeah, he's been unbelievable, hasn't he? I think the story about, I think it's, well, for me, I know I'm so happy for Arch and to see all the success. And, uh, you know, there's all the stories that go around Wellington that are that are actually true stories. And when he was in school, we'd wake up at, you know, 6 a.m. and go hit balls from 6 till 8 in the morning, then go to school, then go hit balls from um, 4 till 6 or 6 till 8 again at night and just absolutely trained the absolute house down. And now you can see the hard work's paid off and he's got his time in the lights and he's making the most of it and, to be honest, I think it's the fine of the World Cup, isn't it? I think, um, you know, he's everyone's absolutely loving him. Um, in India, and especially when he got the chance to play in Bangalore the other night, the town where all his family's from, was um, absolutely been an absolutely amazing um, experience for him. But I think seeing the reward now of him being in the test team, um, and I think the biggest, what we need, I guess, Rajan to do as a cricket nation is we just need him to keep bowling. I mean, if he can keep bowling and bowling, and get better with his bowling, just get more experience, international cricket bowling, then we can have an opener that plays for us and white ball cricket can open the bowling, then we can have, uh, sorry, can open the batting and, and bowl some overs and then we can also have him in our test team. I think he'd be quite a good five or six around there in the test team, probably a six at the moment, purely because we saw him when he came into test cricket. Um, he did nick out a little bit outside off stump. He likes to play his shots, which I don't mind at all. But I think in Test cricket, especially in New Zealand, if we go to bat him high and he likes to play his shots and likes to feel bad on ball, I think we're sort of sending the lamb lamb to the wolves. So I think we need him to bat in the conditions that are going to suit. They're going to suit him more to be able to take the game on and push the run rate forward for us. So I think he's a he's a player that can will be playing all three formats for us post this World Cup. Uh, I know you captained a few teams over the years. You're always searching for wickets. Did you ever appeal for someone being late out into the middle? What was that, sorry? Did you ever appeal for a, a timed out in your uh, playing days? I did. I did take the piss once against someone that we didn't like, um, and the umpire <laughs> told me to F off. Um, and I said, but we're joking. Anyway, name so name and shame. Out. Whom? Whom were you seeking to get out in those underhand underhand ta- oh, using was, underhand tactics? I think it was, I can't, I think it was just someone that took forever. We're just sort of having thing, and I just said, like, because I think it was when that new rule came in at domestic cricket, came in from three minutes to 90 seconds or something in a T20 game, and it absolutely took forever All right. for someone to came out. And I said, to, I think it was to Derek Walker, I said, how's that for timed out? And Derek said, um, I don't Go have away. a watch on me. And and he was obviously, I could see the watch on his wrist. And then I said, come on, I see the watch on your wrist. And he said, F off, let's get on with the game. It's just a bit of banter. So, um, But no, I think it was, um, I think if you're... Um, uh, yeah, I'm not really sure how to comment on that. I think the rule's obviously there to speed the game up. I can understand that. But I think a little bit of common sense had to come into it. And I think, um, as people have been saying, that's, yes, unfortunately, that's what Shakib's going to be remembered for. That's going to be his legacy.
It could get changed Wayne to, is the, right. to the Shakib. Not the time, not timed out to the Shakib like the man can. <laughs> The Shakib, I do like that. I can't wait for the final though. I've already got my stopwatch. I went out and purchased it yesterday because I do know at um, the uh, stadium, um, the Narinda Modi Stadium, isn't it in Ahmedabad? I think there's 90 stairs that uh, the players have got to climb or go down from the changing rooms. I can't wait to put a stopwatch yeah. on those and, and having players basically running downstairs and spikes. What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Oh, and we used to, to be sitting on the sideline now, don't you? So it makes players uncomfortable because players probably don't want to sit down inside the heat. They want to be in the aircon, relaxing and watching the TV. And um, and I think, as Angelo Matthews said, also I heard someone say, you know, would you have given Verat out? So I think it's one of those things. I mean, you'd be a brave man um, when we used to play against India such and used to wait till the batter came off to give him their moment because when Sachin walked out, remember when um, Verinder Sabre got 180, it was a pretty loud chair, chair when he walked off and the chair was louder for such and walking onto the ground and he hadn't faced the ball. Now, if you appealed every time that was, such and wouldn't have such and would have had half the innings because he was trying to be kind to his teammates so they could have their moment in the sun as, as opposed for the crowd cheering for him. So, I mean, Ross Taylor, how long did he take to face up as well? He took forever. Um, so, I just think, yeah, we've got to have a bit of common sense into it. Yeah, can of worms possibly been opened. Always love chatting, Hamish. Thanks so much. Go enjoy another gloriously stinking hot day in uh, Queensland. Thanks for your time. Yeah, no, cheers, Dan. And um, yeah, enjoy. Well, I would say, what do I say? Enjoy an overcast day in Wellington with a bit of rain, probably.